I'm Gab. He's Jules. It's uh, gray skies over uh, West London today. Uh, but Jules, we have a packed show yes. because massive news coming from just a few miles away. Roman Abramovich has said he's putting Chelsea up for sale. We're going to get into that. We're also going to get into... Um, all the, all the cup action this week in the Coppa Italia, the FA Cup, the French Cup, Little Versailles, yes. oh. the fairy tale over. So sad, oh, so, so sad. sad. Um, but let's start with Chelsea mm. because this is quite extraordinary. I have a lot of questions. I feel that everything Roman Abramovich is, not him, but everything his people have put out in the last four or five days has been frankly clear as mud. <laughs> so what we know, this is what we know from, from, what, I've, from what I've read from yeah. the uh, statement on Chelsea's website is that, um, you know, he loves the club. He's going to put the club up for sale. It's not a quick sale. He's going to go through due process. Um, and he's got one and a half billion pounds, around about $2 billion of credits because obviously Chelsea have had losses over the years. Mm. Mostly in years past, and then with the pandemic now, of course. And whereas other cl- some owners decide to put money in as equity, and others decide to loan money to the club. Yeah. Uh, they're obviously lending money to themselves because they own the 100% club. of the club, yeah. right? Um, so he's decided he's not going to call in those loans, supposedly. And he's going to take the net proceeds and set up a foundation to help victims of the war in Ukraine. Yeah. This is all positive and, and I think, laudable. Um, I mean, definitely laudable from that perspective. Yeah, for sure. But I think it also raises a, several big questions that really don't make any sense to me. Um, one of them, first and foremost, is why, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Why, not, if you're just go, why not just give the club away at that point, right? Give the club away as in... Well, if you're not going to... Have your one and a half billion repaid. So he said, normally, he's... normally, what would happen is somebody would come, say they pay two billion, right? One and a half billion goes to repay the debt so that the club can be debt free. Yeah. Right. And then you'd have five hundred uh, million left over, which he could devote to his foundation or whatever. Yeah. That's normally what you would expect to happen. Yeah, because the net profit they mentioned or net proceeds, right? What is net over what? Is it net over how much he spent himself in 2003 to buy the club, the 140 million to Ken Bates? Is it net once he got his money back from the loans? What, what, how do you define the net proceeds that he's ah, mentioning on the statement? This is one of my issues with this because we don't know. I hope Chelsea clarify this. I hope Abramovich's people clarify this. They haven't clarified a lot of things very effectively thus far from the all the stuff with the trustees to the yeah. fact that he was going to go to Ukraine it's and been a crazy few days it's back been, to Saturday from t- it's been an absolutely wild few days um, even strange too was the fact that we know who some of the potential buyers are um, one of them has come out and told us and it's this man yeah. named Hans-Jörg Viss who's in um, who's he's Swiss, Swiss but, but he's done a US. lot of work in the US yeah. and stuff He's a big philanthropist, and he just came out and said, he's like, oh, Abramovich needs to sell because he's under threat of sanction, so he's, he wants to get rid of all his assets. And he said he wants to read up Chelsea quickly. He and he wants to do he, it quickly. Yeah. Um, this guy, this is worth about three and a half billion from what we've read. He's like, mm. uh, I can't do it on my own, but if I get six or seven other people involved, uh, Todd Bowley, who, who owns the LA Dodgers, yeah. among other things, and who, who tried to ch- buy Chelsea before in 2009, yeah. oh, sorry, 2019, He's been mentioned. Um, if I get six or seven people together, we can all chip in and buy Chelsea. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now we have to say not many people can buy Chelsea Football Club. Certainly, individually, it's almost impossible. I mean, it's always possible, but it would cost them half the fortune. Why would yeah. you spend and, and all let, that money in one football club? Let's give some context here on price because I think, let's say. Now, the report says, says that he wants three billion, three billion pounds, right? About three and a half, um, or close, closer yeah. to four billion dollars, right? Which um, is the one point five that the club owes him, plus I guess another one point five, which he believes is the current valuation of Chelsea Football Club, right? Yeah, it's believes what he what he thinks he could get. But just just for context, just in terms of abstract valuation, um, I don't think no club has gone. I don't think there's any club that's gone even for for, for a billion. Off the top of my head here, uh, Manchester Football, United. No, yeah. We've had Manchester United go for 
whatever it was under under the the the, the, the Glazers. I think that that's the highest or close to the highest. Mm. And we had AC Milan when it was bought by Lee Yong Hong for crazy inflated figure. Yeah. We saw how well that went. Yeah. Um, so we're talking more than three times as much. Yeah. The single biggest sale of a football club thus far. Um, yeah, we're almost in U.S. sports franchise territory here. You know, the, the Dodgers, obviously, I think if you wanted to buy the Boston Red Sox or yeah. the LA Lakers or the New York Knicks, this is probably what, but for football, you're right, it's unprecedented. Let's get a little more granular here. Let's try mm -hmm. to break this down. First of all, the, the, re the timing of it, right? The reasons why he's doing it. Um, the standard reason that everybody puts out there yeah, is we that assume. we we assume, um, although I think there might be other factors in play, is that because Roman Abramovich is is Russian, um, he bought Chelsea, of course, in 2003, he could be subject to uh, freezing of assets, sanctions against individuals, what we, we call oligarchs, yeah. wealthy Russian businessmen who made a lot of money um, during the years that Vladimir Putin was in charge of, uh, of Russia. Um, and so the thinking is, because of that, they're going to divest themselves of their assets, their, their suggestions yeah, that, yeah. you know, he's, he's selling some of his properties in the country and basically moving out. So it's like a defensive move. Yeah. Um, everybody takes this as fact, and maybe it is fact. Um, my personal take on it, first of all, is I'm not 100% certain. And the reason is Abramovich hasn't been named thus far. Certainly in the list of people to be sanctioned or who have been sanctioned. Unlike, for example, Alisher Usmanov. Yeah. Um, I'm assuming, I think it's well known that he has strong connections to the party that's currently in power yeah. in this country. Yeah. Um, so it's, plus he's been kind of outside of Russia for many, many years. And outside of London as well. Huh? And outside of London too. In the UK, yeah. Uh, so, so, I, I'm not a hundred. I mean, I'm sure that that, that plays into it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how effective a defensive move this is. But do you think such a big move? Okay, selling a club like Chelsea, he must have been thinking about it before. He must have been thinking sure. about it. You don't have, you know, this is. If you want to buy Chelsea Football Club, you don't go. You know, you don't. You don't. You don't go on an app or on a website that. That shows you what the, what kind of football club are for sale. You know those kind of deals and those kind of of news are shared through business dinners with people who are all billionaires. You know, well, uh, well, Ansjog Weiss doesn't just hear about Chelsea being on sale just like that by someone to send him a text. You know, this is this is discussions that well, would happen. And before, in fact, right? we know that while he's denied that the club was was up for sale. Uh, well, Chelsea, the official line is uh, equally the same time Chelsea have retained um, an advisory in New York called uh, Rain, um, who basically are charged with kind of fielding interested parties. Exactly. And so we know that Todd Bowley was one of the people who supposedly in 2019 came in and, you know, I don't know if he actually made an offer, but certainly was reported here that he was willing to put 2.6 billion pounds, mm. I think it was at the time, um, on the table. Uh, and those bids have been turned down. So we know that part. Yeah. We also know that Roman Abramovich, in round about 2018, after the poisoning of the Russian dissident, um, he had a business visa to be in this country, um, and that was revoked. Mm. Uh, that was obviously post-Brexit, um, and that had an impact too, because he actually, since then, he's acquired a European Union passport. He's a Portuguese citizen. He also has an Israeli passport, so he can operate in different countries. But I think he took it quite personally. You know, he had that investor yeah. visa. The visa wasn't renewed. And I think that's that's been part of the reason why he said, All right, do I really want to keep doing this? I've been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. We've been very successful. You know, by this stage, they've won two Champions League titles, five Premier League titles. Um, he's really built to your party. They're the most successful asset. English clubs of the last 20 years. It's as, it's as simple as that, and maybe one of the most successful clubs in Europe, full stop. So I think this had been maturing for a while. He, he had, the, he had the, the very public divorce, mm -hmm. uh, which no doubt cost him money as well. I think he was moving on to a different phase of his life. So, so I think that was already yeah, happening in place, before definitely. all of this. I agree with you. I think this is, goes back a few months, maybe years. So... So the war in Ukraine must have been the final show with, okay, like, I, I'm under pressure here. I, I would not pass it 
Boris Johnson or the UK government or whoever to remember to say, listen, if you sell Chelsea Football Club now, we we leave you alone, kind of thing. Maybe not. Maybe we still have sanctions. We don't know. I just find the timing gap really strange in the sense that okay, I know the the one Ukraine map be the 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 point where you thought okay this is the time to do it I, i've got no choice i have to do it now because of what's happening in ukraine because this is the end of the season where a lot is at stake now for his team and a team that he loves and a club that he loves this is going to be very messy i think for thomas tuchel and the players because the uncertainty that this will bring you know what if the new guy coming in doesn't want tuchel as a manager what if he wants to bring with his own people what happened to peter Cech, to mara granovskaya to bruce Berg, to a lot of those people who make this club the club that it is now and are very important. I think important. Bruce Buck will be just fine. But yeah, Maybe, I but, you what I mean? but, but I don't know. You know, all of this is, is uncertain and for the players it's the same. So I, I think the timing could not, could not have been worse. But maybe he had no choice. Maybe he felt like I have to do it. Maybe to protect Chelsea, you know, and maybe to protect his children. To protect well. his children, yeah, and his own assets, as you said earlier. I, I don't it, really understand. It, it, There's so many things, question marks. I also want to want to make this clear that as I understand it, right, you know, it is a big deal when um, a government freezes your bank accounts and your assets, right? If they freeze your bank accounts, that means that all this money that I have in my bank account, I can't use. I can't use to buy things. I can't use to support my other businesses and so on. Yeah. Plus, there's rampant inflation, and so it's worth less and less. I can't invest it, whatever. That's a big deal. Um, but And it's a big deal when they if, – if, if you freeze somebody's company, what it means is that they can't sell it obviously and they can't put money into it yeah can't invest in it in the case of chelsea i don't know that it really would have been such a big deal i agree I if they had frozen so. chelsea because all right so it means that at the end of the year if chelsea rack up losses and presumably they will you know he can't cut a check and loan them more money yeah but Chelsea can take on debt. Chelsea can get financing from elsewhere. Yeah, right? definitely. The banks know that Roman Abramovich is behind Chelsea, right? Mm. So that part shouldn't have been that shouldn't have been an issue. People have suggested, well, what if the government were to seize Chelsea? And I just want to make this very clear. That's surely not legally Surely possible. that's legally impossible. Completely. Even freezing some of these assets, given the way these lawyers are, um, I think would have been very difficult. Completely. But what, 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 you think the government's going to go and just take Chelsea away from him? And, and just lock the doors at Stamford Bridge <laughs> and no one can come in, no one can come out. I mean, that's why I'm struggling a bit. Because even, even if you look at freezing his account, okay, let's say, let's, say some of the, let's say the profit of the sale goes to the, the charity and the foundation that he's going to create for Ukrainian children, great. But maybe we still make some money before the you know, maybe there'd, there'd be some money that still goes on his account before the profit or whatever so why would he take the risk of cashing in on chelsea let's put it that way broadly yeah. cashing in on chelsea now knowing that at any point they could freeze his account which would be a billion or a billion point of 1.5 billion more money on his account do you see what i mean it makes yeah. no sense if he wanted to cash in and take the money surely this is would not be the right time to do because there's that possibility that they will freeze that the uk government will freeze his account anyway there's, there's a bunch of other factors. And so when the deal happens, if, if the deal happens, um, one of the key things here is based on the covenant between... So Abramovich owns a company called Ford Stam, where he's the only shareholder, and they're the ones who loan money to, to Chelsea. Mm. It's not like Ford Stam can go and tell Chelsea, hey, give me all the money back now, right? Uh, there's a procedure. These yeah. are distinct entities. A, they need to give them needs to give them 18 months advance warning for then Chelsea to pay the money back. So if there, if there is a sale, and what would normally happen is the new buyer would say, okay, well, we owe you, we owe you one and a half billion. Um, we're going to pay you three billion. You know, you write off that part. You know, yeah. essentially you deal with it and we'll, we'll settle it that way. And we're all in agreement over it. Um, so he couldn't have forcibly got met money out of Chelsea to bankrupt Chelsea anyway, even if he'd wanted to, not that he was going to. So I guess what I'm what I'm driving at is I go back to what he said with the net proceeds. I think Chelsea needs to need to clarify. Somebody needs to clarify. Yeah, completely. Because right now there's people running around saying like, oh look, you know, he's gonna sell the club for three billion. He's gonna take all the money and put it in a foundation. If he does that, great. I would be super happy because yeah, me too. you look at what's happening in Ukraine, 
it's you know it's 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 it, it's horrible. There, there's kids on all sides who are yeah. who who are mostly on one side to be honest, who are in terrible conditions. Right? Mm. That's fine. That that would be great. But did he say that that's what he was going to do? And if you're going to do that, are there other ways? Are there better ways of doing it? Yeah. You know. Um, so I think all of this is going to is going to come to the fore. In terms of the buyers, um, what I find interesting is if 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 Bowie. Look, between these two, right? So this guy, this guy Weiss is, he's 86 years old. Yeah. He's one of the biggest philanthropists in the world. He's given away, you know, he's worth like more than $3 billion, But he seems to have spent the last few years just essentially giving his money away. He's yeah. involved in a lot of uh, social and environmental causes. Yeah, and I that's great. More than, oh yeah, all sorts. So then you wonder, I was trying to wonder, like, why would he be involved in this? Is he even a football fan? Um, does he maybe want to, somehow be involved with this new foundation that Abramovich can see is good at giving money away? Surely what, not. What, it, it seems like a weird... It's a business venture, right? Whoever buys Chelsea now... He's 86 years old. I, mean, actually, I don't want to be unkind here, right? He's 80, like, I hope he lives to be 150, but he's 86 years old, right? Yeah. Like, what is his event horizon going to be? That he I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's part of a consortium of, let's say, uh, we have got two names now, but maybe they're four or five. They've right. got other very wealthy, fun, you know, like... For investment funds, people, or I don't know, whatever. And right now they all share, let's say, 25% each of of the club. And then maybe he can stay for a few years and then sells his, his shares to one of the other guys. I don't know. A lot of things can happen. My thing is, you, you cannot spend that much money just because you love football. If you love football and you can buy a 100 million pound club and then this is your joy and you invest in it and try to grow it. No one is worth 3 billion. Three billion can only be a business venture where you see a, a, a business opportunity there. You're not going to lose. Well, you might lose money, but is that? But you see what I mean? You, yeah. I, 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 I completely, completely understand what you're saying. I mean, there are also some hurdles. I think Chelsea have done a great job thus far in maximizing their revenue streams. Um, mm-hmm. And this is partly down to the people that Roman Abramovich has hired and who've been running yeah. the club. I'm just talking from like commercially, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Revenues and stuff, of I, course. If it's you go back, huge to, club now compared to '03 when he bought it. I, I mean, I think worldwide. I mean, yeah, it was no, always well, a great big club in England, but but I mean the the interesting thing is if you look at sort of Chelsea historically. Um, you know, they won a league title in the '50s. I think '54, '55. Yeah, '55 was the last one. And then they they had. For, for a big chunk of their history in the 70s and 80s. You know, they, they, they were Cup Winners' Cup in 1970, but it's kind of yeah, like yeah. a one-off, right? They spent a lot of time in the second division and yeah. so on. And then at one point, in the mid-90s, Ken Bates, who was then in charge of the club, mm-hmm. later went on to live in Monaco, um, he just starts spending like there's no tomorrow, right? They take on an enormous amount of debt. The whole development around Chelsea, that was Ken Bates, yeah. it's Viali, it's Hullet, it's Zola. They win the Cup Winners' Cup, they challenge for the title. And then they're on the verge of bankruptcy. Yeah. And that's when Abramovich buys them. So there was a really slight base there. And then he took it to another level. Mm. He built the brand globally just as a time, just at the time that, that you know, football was yeah, globalizing. Yeah. He took advantage of, of the rise of London and the fact that they're in West London, where, you know, the other two traditional big clubs, Arsenal and Spurs, are in North London and kind of close to each other, further away from yeah, the center completely. town. All these things come together. Um, I just wonder how much more can you maximize it? People talk about building new stadiums so you can charge more and whatever. Yeah, but that would cost that would cost a billion. Well, he had a plan in place, of course. He had planning permission for it, and then he said, "We're not going to redevelop it." And this was around the time of his visa. So presumably, you could still do it. It would be incredibly expensive because it's in a very expensive part of town. Yeah. Um, They can't actually move it because of a deal that was made years ago when the club was on the verge of bankruptcy. Because they looked at other places. Yeah. Well, there's a company called Chelsea Pitch Owners. And basically, essentially, I'm, essentially, what they say is you have to get their permission to. They own the freehold, yeah, which is kind of like the, right. the land, if you will. And basically, under that covenant, if you move Chelsea somewhere else, you have to change the team, unless you have the you have to, you have change, to change the name yeah. and the brand, right? So there's a the lot the, of yeah. restrictions on this, and it just seems like an enormous amount of money to spend. So either you've got a really long-term view and you're engaging in this, people use the term sports washing, but you might use it, you view it as like a big yeah, PR yeah. move for your, for your country or you're an enormous fund, like yeah. perhaps 
Manchester City or, or, or Paris Saint Germain. Yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, for an individual who's like, you know, unless he's a fan, he's like, I'm happy to lose money every year, a little bit of money, and so on. Which, which is what Abramovich had become. At least, at least the thing, apart from the stadium, is this is a a time in in the club where it's very healthy. In in the sense that, if if I explain myself, you're not in you know at the beginning of the post Ferguson era at United, for example, where the squad was declining. You had a lot of old players. You knew there was a lot of. Um, money to be spent to rebuild the squad and to make it competitive again, even if they just won the title. But you could already we could sense it. This is very different with this Chelsea team. This Chelsea team is still on the up or already up anyway. You know, club World Cup champions, Champions League champions, all of that. So it's not like they, you know, you will have to spend money to keep the level as high as it is. But you've got a great manager in place, who I don't see why would want to leave the club. You've got a great squad, one of the most, one of the strongest squad in the league already and in Europe. Do you see what I mean? So if you come in here, you will spend a lot of money on buying the club. But after that, you already have a, you've got a diamond in your hands. It's not, you, you're not, you're not. You have an expensive diamond in your hand that costs Yeah, yeah, but it's not Newcastle. No, no, no. Or again, know, United post Ferguson or Arsenal post Wenger. You know, you're not in that kind of a situation. You're in they, a really good situation sportsing-wise, yeah. footballing-wise. No, I, I agree with you there. I think maybe one difference with United, which is always different, was that United's always profitable, right? Yeah, so true, true. it is easier to build from there. The other thing I would say, just on the sporting front, I mean, look, we'll know much more if the sale happens, when the sale happens. Mm. I agree with you that this is a club that's at its peak and needs built to build, built to win now, but they have some huge decisions to be making on their future, right? Christensen, Rudiger out of contract, Aspilicueta getting older, the yeah. midfielders certainly Conte, Jorginho both pushing thirty. You've got decisions to make. You've got investment to make to remain at that level. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it'll be curious to see how how things develop there. And look, there's other situations like this. We should give a mention. To the situation at at Everton, yeah. where Everton are owned by this man named Farhad Mashiri, uh, who is a British uh, businessman of Iranian descent, uh, I believe. Mashiri's day job for a long time, he basically worked for a man named Alisher Usmanov, That's right. who was a shareholder at Arsenal. Yeah. Who he is on the sanctions list. He's a Russian billionaire. Yeah. He's a Russian, but he's a Russian billionaire who is on the list. On the list, and he's being sanctioned and he's being punished. Everton are trying to distance themselves. Usmanov's company. Everton have always said, "Oh no, it's not really Usmanov who owns it. Farhad Mushiri really has these hundreds of millions knocking about, and it's his money, not Usmanov's." Yeah, of course. I'm going to withhold judgment on that one. Draw your own conclusions because they're litigious, but. They're trying to remove themselves. Usmanov's company signed a big sponsorship contract with uh, Training Ground. Yeah. That's gone. Yeah. This is going to impact Everton two too. More, yeah, two more companies were sponsors. Like, you know. And Everton are building a new stadium. Yeah. Um, you know, they need this liquidity. I mean, they've got a hundred other issues. It's a big decision to take to write off all that money, basically, coming from the sponsors. It's a massive decision. I think this could have an even bigger effect on, on Everton. But right it's the now. right one. Right? We agree that this is the right decision from an Everton point of view. Uh, like United did with Aeroflot, like Schalke did with Gazprom. It, look, for my money, you know, I know there's an owners and directors test about who can buy a club. I wish the Premier League were much tougher. And just, you know, yeah, maybe... I agree. I don't know you need to go to the level of the NFL where, like, you know, one voter can veto, uh, one owner can veto a new owner coming in. But they should think about the people who come in. And this is not just them. It's, you know, do we want do, do, do we want national sovereign funds buying clubs? Would you let oligarch, want, would you let Russian oligarch own a Premier League club? But you, what, what does oligarch mean? If I have evidence or reason belief that this person is bad in terms of publicity, there are wealthy Russian people yeah, yeah, yeah. who haven't done anything wrong. wrong. Yeah, 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 true. You know, true. I... I, I would want the case. I, I would want somebody to seriously look at it and just say, look, this is bad for PR. And it's our decision. We're the Premier League. Yeah, we, yeah, just, yeah. we don't have to explain it to you. Yeah. If I don't like this guy, instead they get stuck in this legal thing with lawyers. Look, look at Newcastle, right? Yeah, oh, so separate legal entity. Yeah. Yes, it is. No, it's not. I mean, the Premier just League think, has, about, think about the way people look at you. Yeah, and the Premier League are considering having a, you know, they have those ownership tests test before uh, deciding if, if the guy can buy the club and they will put human rights in that as well. So know in your past or what you stand for and if you've been linked with those kind of stuff, which is yeah. probably the right thing to do as it long is, as they really... 
and I'll believe take it. Take you on board, exactly. And I'll believe it when I see it, yeah. when I see how it's applied, when I see if it stands to the legal test, because like I said, there's always, sorry if I go back to this, but there's always lawyers ready to scurry out of their little rat holes and, uh, uh, and, and, and go and tie up the courts with nonsense. So I, I personally, I think the Premier League should be allowed to do ex whatever they want in their own best interests and say, yeah. hey, this guy, yeah. He's going to attract bad publicity. It's not going to make us look. It's going to hurt the whole league. Boom. And we don't have to explain it to you. You just say no. Yeah. You know, but I haven't really done so far. So. No, and I don't think they're going to. I don't, I'm not even sure that they can. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Gab. Just go to Indeed.com slash Gab right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Gab. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, enough, Roman. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, Gav. Liverpool defeat Norwich City 2-1 in the FA Cup with two goals from Takumi Minamino. Jules, these were basically B teams, yeah. but the quadruple's on. Of course it's on. It's still on. Uh, I mean, Liverpool at home against Norwich, you knew exactly what would happen. I guess the, the Rube goal, which is a lovely goal, by the way, uh, made the last 15 minutes a little bit more interesting just because it was 2-1 and everything but Liverpool were very much under control let's see who they face now in the next round there's still some big teams you know they could face City or, or Chelsea as well in the draw so maybe then the quadruple would be a bit harder to get but right now it's on yeah I know I shouldn't crap on the FA Cup but you know when Norwich send their B team I mean it's not that it entirely you know, B team right? no no I understand anyway. they're fighting right and then I think it was. I think there was what there was one holdover from the League Cup final team on Sunday. Uh, uh, Henderson, yeah, right? yeah, Henderson, that's it. And then yeah, yeah you exactly. can chuck Allison, obviously, but you know, yeah, 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 of course, I, of course, whatever. I think they won. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Inter and Milan serve up a fairly dull scoreless draw in the Coppa Italia semi-final first leg because you still have two legs. You are archaic Italian people. <laughs> this was pretty ugly, Gab, though, wasn't it? It was it, because it's two legs, so they knew there was a second leg after. And it was ugly. I think there was tension. Milan obviously played Napoli this weekend, yeah. so their heads were were, were there. Your boy Giroud, not his oh, best game. No. Um, and look, it's a derby. It's tense, but yeah, no, nothing good. And it doesn't no. make you think that these teams are in great form right now. No. Manchester City are also in the FA Cup quarterfinal after beating Peterborough 2-0. Jules, are you a bit surprised that the goals only came after an hour? Because this was a strong City team they sent out there. Yeah, that, unlike the Liverpool one, this was strong. I think the, the pitch being so bad didn't help. The fact Peter Burrow played well and were really aggressive. And Why do Peter Burrow have a bad pitch? We live in this country where every, it rains all the time. It grows. Normally, even <laughs> like small know, like, clubs have nice pitches. What? Maybe maybe for them it's better to be like this. Maybe they, they just don't have good gardeners. <laughs> Maybe, or maybe it's too high, it rains too much in Peterborough. I don't even know where Peterborough is. It's about an hour north. It's near your house. It's, yeah, yeah, it's north far. of London. Okay. Um, and that's why, but I think there was also a feeling that they would come. So yeah. I don't think there was any panic from City or they just knew that with times. And by the way, the, the Grealish goal, the ball from Foden is exceptional. The first touch as well. So players that, that quality at some point will always make a difference. Dusan Vlaovic made his return to Florence with Juventus as they took on Fiorentina in the other Coppa d'Italia semi-final first leg. And I bet he got quite the welcome, didn't he? Well, look, the bad blood between Fiorentina uh, and Juve goes back, goes back whew, decades and decades. Time. You know, I still remember Roberto Baggio coming yeah. back. Those of us who, there were riots when he was sold, when he was sold riots against the ownership. And then uh, I remember Baggio coming back and like some and, and missing a penalty and somebody throwing the scar a Fiorentina scarf to him and he picking it up with tears oh, in his eyes and I was like, what have I done? Because you always said he didn't want to leave. Didn't no, you? and look, it's 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 like Dante's Inferno. And in fact they referenced Dante's Inferno. Yeah. The Fiorentina Ultra is a fantastic choreography. And in the game, 
I'm sorry, Fiorentina played, I thought they played really well. I agree. Um, your boy, Jonathan Icone. Oh, I hit the position. He could have scored two or three goals easily. I know, I know. He looked, he looked really good. And Juve's defense, they did have, you know, they've got like nine players yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. They're running on fumes. Um, they hung in there and they got super lucky with the goal. Oh, if you look at that. Juventus. It's just, a, it's a cross into the box from Danilo, one of the few Juve players I thought played pretty yeah, yeah. well, him and Arthur. Um, and then the ball just kind of bounces off of the defender Crazy and he's in despair. Again, this isn't like the fourth minute of injury time. Uh, you know, you take you take what you can get if you're if you're Juve right now. Yeah. The run continues, um, and you still have a second leg to come, and you mm. don't take anything for granted. Yeah. The Gonzalo Guedes long range strike sends Valencia into the Copa del Rey final. Jose, are you happy for Javier Bordalas? Over Atletic at home with 35% of the ball, they, they, they win it that way. Borderless football, man. Borderless football, yeah. I mean, it's Got a the final, best of the of Williams course. brothers. And, yeah, you know. Peter Lim, I'm sure, would be happy. The ninth in, the, in La Liga, although they've had a pretty bad run of form, certainly in the league, uh, before the win of the weekend. And this win is good for them. It's good for them. I think they, the difference was probably made in the first leg in Bilbao. I wanted another Basque derby, which was good because, um, you know, Real Sociedad can also qualify for the final, but now it'd be Valencia who goes hey, through. Yeah, look, you know how I feel about Peter Lim. Peter Lim and yeah. then obviously when I he brought in Bordalas, I'm like, oh, look, you've got another villain now next to you. <laughs> um, that said, when I saw the way the Valencia fans celebrated and yeah. I have a lot of time yeah. for them given what they've had to, to go through, through exactly. with this and Mendes and Nuno yeah, and yeah, all the course, stuff over the years um, you know I, I, you're, you're happy for them yeah completely completely Premier League clubs captains will wear special armbands in Ukrainian colours this weekend Gab what do you make of it look I wrote a long column uh, long Q&A after um, Russian uh, clubs and, and Russian representative teams were, were banned by FIFA and one of the things at the end and it really struck me you know change happens gradually but we've become very comfortable now with football and football clubs taking political stances mm. or what would have been once considered political stances yeah. um, whether whether it's, it's it's racism whether it's LGBTQ whether it's stuff like this and it's not just in football it's you know look at the NBA moving the um, all-star game out of Charlotte a few years ago yeah um, I just think the world has changed and now this is what people come to expect you know one way or the other um, I don't think there's any question and there was a UN vote whichever way you feel about it there was a UN vote where 141 nations um, decided to condemn uh, the invasion of Ukraine yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think only five nations or six five, nations yeah, five. five nations you know voted against it um, and it's usual suspects. Yeah, I we mean, know who I, they are. Yeah. Um, so I look at this and I say, you know, this represents the, what the majority of people in the Premier League, majority of Premier League fans want. So I don't have a problem with it. It, it, it stops becoming political when it's about human rights and it's about solidarity completely. with people who are getting bombed. Yeah, completely. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million dollar stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash g-a-b-j-u-l-s now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels. Back to Chelsea, but on the pitch, Jules. Yeah. Uh, they had to come from behind twice to beat Luton Town 3-2. Yeah, it was tough. They considered a goal in the second minute. Can you blame the pitch again? No, 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 no. Because I think Luton, who are in really good form, doing really well in the championship, it was always going to be a tricky game. The atmosphere is big. They were very aggressive again and, you know, intense, all of that. I think the wholesale, Abramovich probably played a little bit. We heard Tuchel before saying that, even before the League Cup final, when he was nowhere near as... He's like, stop asking me! 
questions. As important as now. No, but he said, you know, it's in your head. And that, it would be if, if you're the coach more Which than the players. Playing. Uh, but he made a lot of changes. And in the end, it's Vernon Lukaku who scored yeah. the two the goals that bring them back into the game and then win them the game. So and Lukaku, very much a center forwards goal there. Yeah. Um, I, the only thing I should say, like this guy, I don't follow the championship, as you know, but the guy, this guy, Nathan Jones, has been talked about as being yeah, really one of the, the bright young mm, things uh, in management. So well done to them. But it's also true, Chelsea putting out very much, you know, I know, B team, I know but okay. you still have a lot of talent on that pitch. I thought Mount looked good in the first half, lively, and then Werner scored a goal, which in itself is a... <laughs> But even he was a bit surprised that he actually finished it well. And, and Saul scored a goal and too. And Saul scored a goal when he's wrong for it. So hey, anything is happening right now at Chelsea. Tottenham, on the other hand, stumble out of the FA Cup against Middlesbrough from the Championship. Gab Conte says that he doesn't understand their ups and downs. Do you? So first of all, the performance against Middlesbrough was absolutely horrendous. It was it was, it was atrocious. And like massive love to Middlesbrough, to Kay Murray, yeah, great, to Chris the Parmo, everybody... But Middlesbrough, I think, very fortunate against Manchester United. And against Spurs, they played well, but fortunate that the opposition had an absolute stinker of a game. Uh, I looked afterwards who the Tottenham fans are angry at. It seems to me that they're angry at Daniel Levy. They're angry at poor Emerson. Um, They're angry a lot at the players. Conte, not so much. I, I got that impression. What was interesting to me was... You know, he made the point. He said, like, I need to motivate these players. I need to get inside their heads because after after the uh, the Burnley game, I used a stick and we went, we beat Leeds. After Leeds, I used a carrot and now we lose. So... I know, but he needs to take some responsibility now. I'm sorry, because it's never his fault again. And we both love him and we've, we, you know, we, we rate him, but... I'm sorry, you don't play with 11 men behind the ball where Middlesbrough if it doesn't come from your manager. No I, one tells you to drop so deep if I not your manager. I agree with you 100% on this one. Um, I think he needs to go, you know, he's there. You say he, but I think, I think he's taking ownership. He says, I need to get these players to, yeah. do, to do what I want to do. I haven't been able to do that. I think he's taking ownership of that. This idea where I disagree with him is this idea that there's so many terrible players here. You're playing Middlesbrough. You should. You can lose. This you should still ridiculous. play better. Um, but I think the, the the problems went far further. I mean, Son's miss. Oh, yeah. Emerson is like in a parallel win, universe. Completely. Le Parisien reporting that Paris Saint Germain have offered Kylian Mbappe a ridiculous contract to keep him around. Jules, when I read about this, I saw the numbers. I didn't believe them, so I'm going to tell you. What are we talking about, and will it make him stay? So we're talking about two-year deal worth. 200 million euros net, that's the package. There's a 100 million net bonus. And then there's 50 million, pound, 50 million euro net salary uh, for, the, for the first year. And then for the, for the second year, the club are not confirming or not denying it. Leonardo said in L'Equipe that it was not true, that they hadn't took numbers and money, which is not true either, trust me. So I'm not really sure exactly where the truth is. The truth is that they're pushing hard to keep him even one more year, two more year maximum, with, with a lot of money, with a lot of promises, with a lot of, we're going to build a great team, you are the heart of it all, you want to be the poster boy, here you are, you can beat the Cavani records, all goal records, all of that. Will that be enough to tempt him? I don't know, in Madrid they're still convinced he's going to go. So I love the 100 million signing bonus. You're basically buying him again, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but I don't know, I, I, I want to believe him when him and his family are saying, we haven't decided yet. Maybe he has. Maybe he knows he's going to Real Madrid. I don't know. But I want to believe that he's still a, a bit in the air and there's still some hope for PSG. I would love him to stay, of course. Mike Riley, the head of the Premier League referees, has apologised to Frank Lampard and Everton. Junior. Yeah, Junior, sorry. And Everton over the Rodri handball that we discussed on Monday's show in a game against City. Would you be happy with, with those apologies? I mean, apologies is great, but it's not going to bring you back a penalty at potentially one point or three points. It's not, but I like, I, listen, first of all, I like Mike Riley personally as a person. I, I don't like necessarily, I don't always agree with some of the things they've said, and, and I think he's got not a good group of referees right now, and maybe that's probably his fault or not. Yeah. But I think it's good to have people come out and take ownership. You know, he came out and he said, like, Chris Kavanaugh should have uh, had the referee look at it 
Just have had Paul Tierney look at it and have, yeah. have him decide. Because you know what? This whole thing with, with like the elbow and the sleeve, even a child should know. These are guidelines. These aren't hard and fast rules. So if he's moving his whole body, yeah. it might still be handball. Or it might not yeah. be. Let the referee decide. Let the referee decide. Everything though. can go down. No, I've had enough no, of apologies. I haven't because it's the first one that we get from, from, from the Premier League We've referees. Seen all, in other leagues, apologies. But no, in England, this is the first one. I think it's important. But it doesn't matter. Yeah, okay, okay, fair enough. Would that make them better? I doubt it. Leipzig beat up Hanover and your boy Christopher Nkunku shines again. Jules, I think you said he was the third best French player in the Woo! world on Monday. Has he moved up to two? Is he, is he closing he's, the gap on Kareem the Dream? He's not really closing the gap on Kareem the Dream. No one can. Kylian and Kareem are still the top two, but he's third. 25 goals, 13 <laughs> assists in 36 games. is just incredible level. We know the Super League isn't dead, Gab. Juventus president Andrea Agnelli is expected to outline the new plans at the uh, Financial Times Business of Football Summit in the next few hours. We're recording this on Thursday morning. But this one looks a bit different than the one that they did two years ago. Yeah, and look, and we're going on speculation. This is what we've been told. He, he, could, he could decide that, uh, oh, no, I'm not going to talk about this. I'll talk about something else instead. Um, <laughs> Maybe. Certainly, certainly, Alexander Cheferin, who spoke a few minutes ago as we record this, thinks that he's going to go talk, be talking Super League because this is a quote. Um, he says, this is not a football project. He says uh, they're living in a, in a parallel world. No. You know, they... they, they they tried to introduce the first one the first time around during a pandemic. Now they're doing it again during a war. So sure. clearly, uh, no love lost between the two, and he's going to fight this again. A couple of things that are interesting about this, based on the small, and we'll talk about this more once we have the details, but, but the indication is that this will be a program where you're going to have a top flight and a second flight. You're going to have yeah. promotion and relegation yeah, so not between the two. So yeah. it's not going to be closed in that way. Um, again, it comes down to a fundamental point here that... Uh, this can only happen with UEFA approval yeah. because otherwise if they try to break away and do it without UEFA approval, by statute, the Premier League sides cannot join. These are one of the new laws that have been passed. Yeah, exactly. So interesting to see what they're trying to do, whether there's some big compromise, whether this is the right way to do it. This looks a lot like, if you remember, it was one of the original proposals back when Andrea Agnelli was head of the European Clubs Association. Yeah, yeah. They had like a tier one, tier two yeah, promotion a, relegation. A new Champions League format. Which yeah. is, this is going to be, right? Is, this is going to be just a new Champions League with the UFI program. That's kind of what they're talking about. But there's a reason people didn't go for that because they said, I'm sorry, if Manchester United finished 12th, why should they get to be back in? Sure. Simply because, you know, they don't get relegated from the Champions League to the Europa League. I think that's a, that, that's a, that's a fair concept. A it's fair. obviously... Commercially, it's a more sellable idea. But yeah, I think in terms of timing, Andrani's timing on this one, um, not particularly good at all. <laughs> I think people preoccupied with other things. I was quite enjoying the Versailles fairy tale in the French Cup, uh, Jules, but I guess those uh, Grinches at Nice uh, decided not to be very no. nice. See what I did there? And ruined it all. Well, yeah, they won 2 0 in the semi final and will be in the final for the first time in 25 years. Um, and for Versailles, it's hard, it's hard because okay, Nice were too good on the day. What's hard for them, I think, to swallow in a way, Gab, is this game should have been played at home because the draw was Versailles, Nice, not Nice, Versailles. The reason why it was played in. Because of floodlights. Yeah, the famous floodlights that we mentioned before, too close to the castle in Versailles, so you can't play at night time. When you play during the day? Because you can't play during the day for the broadcasters and you know and all of that in mid in midweek as well. They asked PSG for the Parc des Princes. They thought about the Stade de France. They looked all the around PSG Paris. wouldn't let them have the Parc des Princes. No. Why not? Well, what know, are you going to do with why. it? I don't know why. I don't know why. But it could not happen. So what about Red said, Star or I know, the, the, they the asked, other? They had PFC, the Charlotte Stadium. They, I think they asked everywhere. They could not. So Nice said, "Hey, we've got an idea." Why don't you play in our stadium? But we pay for your travel, we pay for, and we give you the, the gate revenue as well, so you're gonna make some money. Okay, but you're gonna play in front of 20,000 Nice fans instead of having played against in front of five or 10,000 of your fans, wherever you would Are have you played. Tell me about the floodlights. You can't, the, because the ground is close to the Versailles Palace. Too close, yeah. Would you, you can't install floodlights. No. Not even temporary ones. No, for the, two hours, because no. what? The floodlights would damage the inside, some of the rooms in, inside the castle, especially the former room of the king. You can't put a 
tarpaulin up to protect it or no. something. Big curtains, close your, no. close the curtains for no for a couple hours. No? no, I think they've tried everything. Jean-Luc Arribaud, the former player who's now a pundit in France, who is also the director, the general director of the club, tried everything. Trust me. And in the end, maybe Nice would have been too good even if they played at home or at the Parc des Princes or wherever. But yeah, it's a bit of a shame that it just finishes that way. You know what it would have been cooler? Great run. You know, honestly, if they had played it on the on the grounds, on the lawns of the gardens <laughs> around Versailles, put some jumpers down, make it Love old school. Because that would have been from the other angle, right? So yeah, you could yeah, have yeah. had lighting around there. Just turn it into, into an it. event, man. Yeah, I love it. Maybe for next year. Real Sociedad win away to Mallorca 2-0 as David Silva and Mikel Merino still the show got they dropped off after their strong start this year but look they're just one point behind the top four so very much in the hands they are which I think says more about Barca and Atleti and some of the other teams around True. them but Betis. yeah no they, they, they're still there which is pretty amazing David Silva's first goal this year Mikel Merino was outstanding you yeah, forget yeah, yeah. what a technically gifted player he was Good for him and all. They're there. They're there. They're there. Uh, you know, careful. Careful, Cholo. Oh, yeah. Careful, Xavi. They're coming for you. Nantes, once a major power in French football, are also in the French Cup final after beating Monaco on penalties, Jules. So it's not fair to call them necessarily a minnow, but... We expected Monaco, no? Yeah, we expected Monaco. Uh, Philippe Clement struggling a little bit, to be fair. He went on penalties. You know, we've got no extra time in France, so he went straight from the 90th minute to the penalty. And Rémi Descamps, the, the reserve goalkeeper for Nantes, was, was really good. Uh, well done to Nantes and Antoine Comboire, who does a great job there. First Former final... Paris Saint-Germain. Former oh. title-winning Paris Saint-Germain manager, no? No, he was sacked before Carlo arrived when they were top of the table. Okay, so but he was, and then Carlo didn't win the title, so yeah, technically, okay. Technically, maybe. He was certainly a winter champion, if you want right. to call it that way. Um, but, but great job, first final in 22 years. And have two, two French coaches in the final is great. And by the way, Christophe Galtier can be one of the first, well, I think he'd be the third one in history to win as a French manager, the French League, the French Cup, and the French League Cup. Of course, won the French League with Lille. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Andreas Christensen is a free agent in the summer, as we know, and he has been strongly linked with Barcelona Gab, away from Chelsea. What do you think of it? Um, like, in terms of the player he is, obviously you've got a ball-playing central defender. There's, and I say this in the most polite way possible, yeah. there is a little bit of the Gerard Piquet about him in terms of being tall and being comfortable on the ball. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of the, of the old Gerard Piquet about him in terms of not necessarily being super quick, which isn't somewhat understandable when you're 35 and you're Piquet, maybe less so when you're considerably younger and you're younger, Christensen. Yeah. Um, I don't know that he has the leadership or he's been able to show that at Chelsea. I think Chelsea would like to keep him around well, all of this, of course, is subordinate because we don't know what Abramovich is going to do. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I think the idea was for Chelsea to keep him around, but not at any price because they felt that you could get an upgrade. So I think I think he'd be a fit. I don't know interpersonality-wise if he necessarily has the leadership. And if you would have him and Eric Garcia, if you have him and Araujo, fine. If you have him and Eric Garcia, yeah, mm. it's a bit if you could keep just one of Rudiger and Christensen, or buy one of the two, whether if you're Chelsea or the buying club, would you? Keep Rudiger or buy Rudiger or sign Rudiger because they're both free. I would go with Rudiger. I would, I would go with Even Rudiger. if he's older. Even if he's older, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Le Parisien also reporting. This is the second mention on the yeah, show. Yeah. Your old stomping ground. How about that? But I don't believe the story for one minute. It says that Lionel Messi was angry at some of the ratings French newspapers gave him after the Paris Saint-Germain-Real Madrid game. For those who don't know, in, in Italy, in France, and in Spain, but it's a big deal in Italy. Yeah, it's, I think it's an France. even bigger deal in France, yeah, especially with the keep, where after every game, somebody gives match ratings from 1 to 10, yeah, right? The journalist who was covering the game who was at the stadium, yeah. In addition to writing his match reports, goes and evaluates 22 different people. Yeah, Out that, of that's, 10. That's logical, yeah? Well, you um, watch the game, you know, some, some only do the ratings. I used to only do the ratings for Le Parisien, for the French national team, not the match report. So you focus purely on what the players are doing on the game. We take it very seriously. And Messi... But do we believe got, Messi got a 3? Which three, is not which good. Which was ridiculous. Which is not good at all. Which after, uh, Okay, he missed the penalty, but apart from that, he had 101 touches, five key passes, created a lot. I mean, this was ridiculous to the account of a lot of people because in Le Parisien, for example, I think he had six out of ten. Um, and he was a bit cross because, and you know how we know it, because his closest friends and allies, and allies then 
open up about it and you know moaned about it so Sergio Aguero said like oh yeah those uh, guys at L'Equipe are like uh, I'm not going to repeat the swear word but you know insulted them says Fabregas also said this is outrageous and that would not come without them obviously having knowing that Messi you know Messi cared and, and but rightly so you would care if you get a three but you've been rubbish you go okay fair enough I've been rubbish I deserve a right. three if you've been good and you, and you get a three you're like hang on what's the pro they have a problem with me I guess he never struck me as somebody who necessarily cared what Maybe it does a bit the more now that he's human does? again, Maybe. you know? Maybe. Maybe. Super Mario Balotelli tells our buddy Neda Manua uh, in The Athletic that among the many mistakes that he made through his career, li the, the big, biggest one was leaving Man City. And maybe that he could have had the sort of career that Sergio Aguero had over there. What do you make of that? So, Mario's been very much in reflective mood. He's given several interviews like this. He yeah, might get called up. Yeah, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, look, and... You know, he's, he said, you know, he's, he's playing in, in Turkey now. He's, he's doing okay. Um, but it was interesting. You know, people forget he was very much in his pomp. He was, you know, man of the match in the, in the FA Cup final, scored two goals in the 5-1 when City mm. beat Manchester United at Old Trafford. 6-1, was it? And by the way, I, this isn't like dopey United. This is Sir Alex Ferguson's exactly, United, exactly. okay? Um, and, and, of course, he did set up the goal that, you know, Aguero's goal, goal, right? Yeah. So, he was a big deal. Euro 2012, he'd go on and he'd, you know, take Italy to the final. Not a great Italy side, but he did take them to the final, scored two goals against Germany in the semifinal. Yeah. Big, big deal. And, you know, maybe if he'd stayed, I don't think he would have had the career Aguero had because he would still be Balotelli. He also, the same interview, he talks about yeah, how people were always talking about him. People were always coming up with stories, some of which were true, some of which weren't. Yeah. He's just been in the eye of the storm a lot. And I think he's reached that point where he realizes, you know, he's the wrong side of 30. Mm -hmm. He's made mistakes. Um, he can't dial back the clock, but there are, he can, can still control a few things um, in his career and the time he has left. Yeah. Oh, the other thing that everybody focused on was that the story that Nadim's told us before when he came in, and this is kind of the old Balotelli, he came in and he said, ah, Messi and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah, they're good, but, you know, I'm on their level. Yeah. Now, to be fair, this was in 2012, yeah, yeah, when they'd only won a couple Ballon d'Ors each, yeah. you know, not as many as they've won now. Um, and he said, like, look, the difference between me and them like, technically, I, he said, I don't necessarily think there's a huge difference between me and them. He said, mentally, there's a massive difference. Yeah. Had I been better, had I stuck around and been better, would I have won as much as them? No. I might have only won one Ballon d'Or, he said. Yeah, he that said was that. also... <laughs> but the talent, uh, talent was never a problem for Mario. We've seen so many players super talented, but the rest wasn't there. Yeah. So that's the difference between... There's a whole mental side class, of it. Exactly. And the other thing, though, even just on talent and technical ability, yes, Mario is great, was great, but let's not Steve even, not let, let's not even suggest that he's yes, in the same exactly. galaxy as those two guys. Exactly. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Matteo Guendouzi is apparently a Marseille player he now. Um, and he still doesn't like Mikel Arteta. No, he's played 38 games for Marseille, so the, the close is triggered uh, that the loan becomes permanent. I think it's 11 million maybe or something like that. Kitching. Uh, yeah, that would go to Arsenal. They bought him for eight uh, from Lorient three years ago now or something, four years ago. Um, they didn't get on. Uh, you know, they've had issues in the past. He wanted to move on. He's playing really well at, at Marseille. Uh, he's had a child since, you know, I think he's a, more mature, he's evolved as well. So this, I think this is, again, a bit like Aubameyang. This is what suits everyone. Arteta, Ganduzi, Arsenal, although I would have liked to see him back at Arsenal and play because I think he, he is very talented, but it's not going to happen. But he's got big hair. Um, he's got I really hair. The contrast, the hair contrast, sorry, not to go, but like you look at him Arte and Arteta. Him and Arteta, first of all, Arteta is like, it's like a, it looks like it's painted onto his head, right? Yeah. And then him and Sampaoli, of course, doesn't have any hair. Can someone no. eat us up, do you think, on 
Twitter with Photoshop of Arteta's face with Gendouzi's hair and then Gendouzi's face with Arteta's hair and then we I can would, see. I would be very, I think that that is an excellent use of people's time. <laughs> please, if you can do the face swap thing. Um, Photoshop, please, hit yes. us up on Twitter. We, we, we will love you for a long time. <laughs> UEFA have set up a 1 million euro emergency fund. Let's, let's go back to serious things. Uh, for Ukrainian children, Gab, it's good to see football stepping up, right? Yeah, look, a, a lot of clubs have done different things. You know, yeah. when we hear these large numbers, 1 million, it's kind of like 1 million, 10 million, 100,000. You know, like it's, it's hard to put it in context. Mm -hmm. What is important um, is that UEFA haven't just, uh, they haven't just you know, set this money aside. But uh, they shot the Donetsk players, who uh, the Brazilians who managed to get out a That's lot of right. people. They talked about how UEFA and FIFA have have intervened or had intervened to try to get them out. And yeah. I think this is an important role that, uh, that that football plays as well. You know, not abandoning these guys, but doing their part for for people within football. Um, so I think pe people are pitching in. I think there's just been a tremendous amount yeah, of solidarity. Yeah, yeah completely. Blaise Matuidi has left Inter-Miami. Um, are we going to see him again, or is this the end of the line for the soon-to-be 35-year-old world champion? So what's interesting is he, he has left, but not really left, because he's not part of the squad, the first-team squad, but he's a club ambassador, which means that he's still going to get his money. He's going to train with the kind of reserve, sometimes with the first team, but he's not technically an Inter player anymore. But he's still a little bit, he's still an employee of the club. He gets his money, and then at the end of the European season, then so in three months or something, he will then maybe make a call on coming back to, to Europe. So basically, it's like a gardening leave in a way, but not really. He still has the title of an ambassador from Inter Miami, which is true. I mean, I, I just but find it. No, wouldn't you rather want to keep him if you're already playing him? Would you not want to keep him and play him? But well, clearly, Phil, Phil, Phil Neville, Phil hello. Neville doesn't think he's any good anymore. Otherwise, you keep him and then sell him in the summer. When but you're still paying for him, so you might as well play. I mean, I know you so, might not yeah. think he's that good, but but then on the other hand, he still has 18 months left on his contract, I think, with with Inter Miami. So if you're not going to put him in the squad, you either you terminate his contract and pay him off completely. But clearly, I mean, I don't know. It's like. Well, okay. Is he really that bad now that you don't really want to play him at all or what? It's, it's so crazy. Well, let's see what he does. But I think we will see him again. I would love him to go back to Troyes in France and just finish the career where he all started all those years ago. So let's see. Gab, we discussed this last week, but Russia and Russian clubs have been suspended by FIFA as a result of the situation in, in Ukraine. And then we've had also... Um, other examples of things happening around those clubs. Ivan Rakitsky, the uh, Ukrainian international, has left Zene. Marcus Gisdol, uh, the German manager, has left his, his coach as manager of Lokomotiv Moscow. Daniel Farker did the same at Krasnodar. Uh, and the online sn sniping between Artem Zubia and uh, uh, Andrei Yamolenko as well was, was quite interesting. This is a reminder that football is very much part of the life you know, of those two countries. It, it really is. And it's, you know, look, we could look at these people. I think every single one of these people we've mentioned is probably uh, a millionaire. Maybe not Daniel Farker, but the other ones. Yeah. Uh, um, so you, you can say, oh, look, it doesn't affect you. But these are still people who thought they had jobs and they're giving up. You know, they're making a stand because of the situation they're in and their beliefs. And I include Artin Zuba in it. Um, yeah. Like, there's a lot of people who don't like him for different reasons. Different reasons. Um, but equally, you know, when he comes out and he says, you know, look, I'm, I'm Russian and I'm proud. This is what my country's done. And Yarmolenko, I think, really having a go at him personally. Um, I, you don't know what to say, but you realize how this is so intrinsic. When, when you're in this situation, you're asked to pick sides. And, you know, you can, you can say this is above my remit. I don't want to talk about politics. Or, or you feel the need to speak, to, 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 to speak yeah. up and, 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 and make a stand. Um, we've had other people leave uh, leave Russia. I mean, I think to some degree it's also perhaps about the economic conditions. It's not about yeah, the safety. Yeah, yeah, of course. Certainly Rakitsky could not be expected to continue yeah. uh, at Zenit. And I think Zenit were pretty, quite understanding about that as well. But it just it just shows you that, you know, this is the reality mm. that, that we're living in right now. Yeah. Speaking of reality, Ronald Koeman came oh, out and suggested guy. that if he'd had all the time that Xavi had been given, he might have done a 
better drive. So he, so he, yeah. he drew a parallel between himself and Xavi. Exactly. Some very interesting quotes from uh, the Dutch guy who's clearly still still very bitter by the way his tenure at the club uh, finished in the sense that you're right. He said, I, I was not given as much time as as uh, Xavi and Laporta told me that Xavi would a thousand times that he would not come because he was not experienced enough. And they told me that Messi had to go and then they signed Torres for 55 million. So why did Messi have to go? And like, Okay. Well, he's got a point on that last one. Well, he's got. I think he's got a lot of questions. The messy thing remains unexplained mystery. Okay, but okay yeah. maybe. But, yeah. but he's got a lot of questions. Fair enough. Well, I'm not sure he's going to get the answers by doing this and the interview and stuff. Speak to Laporta. He's going to tell you. But you can also move on now, the Dutch guy. You don't need to oh, be bitter. Right. I know, but like you said, I wanted to be a successful manager at Barcelona, but you, you were not good enough anyway. Okay, that is a fair point to say that he wasn't good enough. But I think it's okay for him. I don't have a problem with him now speaking out, getting these things off his chest. No, because, I guess. I guess you know, if, and we have to take his word for it, but if you go to Laporta and Laporta's like, no, we're not getting Xavi. No, we're not getting Xavi. Don't we? You know, and then Xavi turns out. How old is Ronald Koeman? Because this is the last time I, I, I speak 50s? about him, so I say his name for the last time. Okay. How long has he been in football? A long 40 time. 40 years? What, and this is surprising him that Laporta said, oh, we're not going to bring Xavi. And then guess what? Xavi comes. I mean, come on. This I, is I not Care Bear World. We all know what's, uh, how these this big, big clubs work, right? This is fine, but I also think it's okay afterwards to come out and, and make this point. Now, do I, do I believe that Ronald Koeman would have done as well as Xavi if he'd stuck around and they had bought Alba Mayang and Adama Torre? By the way, you know, we're talking Alba, Adama Torre, uh, Ferran Torres injured half a season, uh, 40-year-old Danny Alves, who they've signed. It's not like they've gone out and Xavi yeah, suddenly has and the And he also got the players that, he, you know, he wanted Aguero, he wanted Memphis. I know exactly. he got them, so... No, I don't, I don't guy, believe... I, I don't believe he could have necessarily done what Xavi did, but also, you're not Xavi. Exactly. You're somebody else. You're somebody else who was hired by a different president yeah. who inherited a situation. Sometimes you have to live with it. But again, I don't fault him at all for coming out and speaking out. Okay. Well, sticking with Barcelona, we also heard from Jan Laporta that he wanted his own cryptocurrency. What is this about? Yeah, um, it's funny because we've touched upon crypto, we've touched upon um, NFTs, yeah. uh, and the people don't understand. Some people really understand them. Some people don't understand them. We've seen you know companies like like, like Socios make these deals with clubs like like, like Arsenal, Inter Milan, yeah. and whatnot. He comes out, he talks about this, that they're going to be innovative and on the forefront, which to me sounds to me like, oh, look, they're planning something. Weirdly, weirdly, the NFT fan token for a club like Barcelona, which actually has voting members, yeah. there might be some blockchain technology which would be very useful there and might have some value. Maybe not a tradable fan token or yeah. a speculative asset that way. What he's talking about with having Barcelona's own crypto to me makes no sense to me. I, I don't, don't even know what like. I don't know what you, what you want to do. You know, maybe some. Well, so when you want to go to the museum, you you need to pay you in with the cryptocurrency of the club. Or I have no idea to buy shirts. What he's going with it, but you know, crypto NFT. These are buzzwords. You appear cutting edge without necessarily saying anything. <laughs> I reserve judgment until yeah. I see the actual project. ESPN's Rob Dawson and others reporting that Carlo Ancelotti is a candidate for the Manchester United job if he leaves Real Madrid and if United don't get their first choice candidates. Yeah. Uh, does this make sense to you? There's a lot of if in this, of course. Listen, for me, Carlo Ancelotti is always a good idea. Whoever you are, whatever club you are, whatever situation you're in, it's always a good idea. For him, would that be a good idea? I think he would make this team be much better than what it is now, for sure. I think it needs a bit of help in recruitment, but of course it's a good idea. I still think you should aim for your number one or number two target on your shortlist well, before taking another... Because he would be a bit of an interim manager, really. He, won't, well, he would not be there for the next 10 years, right? Uh, the idea for them is to bring him for one season, maybe two, and then get a Ten Hag or Poch. This is, this is what really does my head in about this whole situation. You know my thoughts on Carlo, he's a warrior of the light and all yeah, this yeah. stuff, right? So, Carlo Chotti has a job right now. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? Yeah, yeah. He's managing I mean, a small, tiny club called Real Madrid. He's in white. Right? We're still in the Champions League or top yeah. of La Liga. Yeah, yeah. So, you're assuming that, oh, if we don't get our first choice and yeah. if we don't get our second choice, yeah. and we'll if, just go and get this guy who's at another club right now and has a contract. Yeah. 
Because what, we think he's going to get fired? We think he's going to quit? And we're like, oh yeah, look, oh, let me swap Madrid for Manchester and come running to you because I've always dreamed of managing this club, which has been managed like, like a giant turd for the last 10 years, <laughs> right? And it's not always the fault of the coach. Yeah. I, I don't, the, the sheer presumption, the sheer ignorance of this. Nah. Yeah, would he do a good job there? Sure. But also, what does it say to you? I go from Eric Ten Hag exactly. to it's Carlo Ancelotti to it's just a scatter to Pochettino scatter gun. Come on, man! Seriously, I don't think this kind of stuff. It's not helpful. United any exactly any good whatsoever. Yeah, whatever paid Lickspittle goes and puts these stories out and reports them from the inside. Look like more you're like making United look worse. Exactly. Exactly. Pele is out of hospital, Gav, which is great news for Ore. Of course. Uh, 81 we're always touched by this. 18, we wish him well. 81 years old. Um, keep it up and hope to see him in Qatar. Yeah. All right, Jules, that brings us to an end. That's all we've got time for today. But we got to come back on Monday because it's a big, big weekend of football. Oh, yes. Manchester derby. How about that? Milan. Uh, Milan against Napoli. Plenty going on. Yeah, yeah. Until then, love the game. Love your neighbor. Love yourself. Real quick, what's the easiest choice you can make? Window seat over middle? Taco Tuesday over salad? What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash gabjewels, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash gabjewels now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash gabjewels.